Good evening and welcome everyone, all participants, to today's Shear, to this evening, Pashas Thursday of Pashas Matas Masse. We'll go straight to our first question. Last Friday, I got a call from a Shliach uh, who had prepared a big challenge for his Shabbos guests and then realized that the potatoes are sourced from Eretz Yisrael. And then he realized Shaila of Shmita. That's the size of questions. Well, if it wasn't Shmita, then it'd be a problem of Trumus and Maestras. But here was a Shaila of Shmita. Now, I want to make this clear that Shmita is, is, is meant to be eaten. The food of Shmita is there for everyone to be able to eat. However, so then it's just, that shouldn't have been a problem. Here there's another problem, and that is with Sfichin. And that only got to do, only related to vegetables, not relating to fruit from a tree. So let's read this halacha in Rambam. I didn't bring it from the Shulchan Aruch because we don't have um, detailed halachas of Schmidt in Shulchan Aruch. So here we go. We did raise soifrim. She ye you call hasfichin asurin baachila. Midra bonon, they impose an isur on sfichin, which means if you have last year you planted tomatoes, and this year tomatoes are growing. How do they grow? They grow them by themselves, yeah? So that was Sfichin in Yiddish, they used to translate as Vidervuks, the regrowth. And Chacham saw that farmers were having very generous quantities of, it grew by itself. And because you know, there was, that was very, very suspicious. And they understood that there was some fishy stuff going on it about it, and they made an isur on any the the types of things which you need to replant every year. And you say that they grew by itself, so that's got an isur sfichin. That's got an isur with rabban. You're not allowed to not allowed to eat it. So again, oranges, avocados, which grow during shmita, so they will have kedusha shvius. But vegetables which grow during Shemitah, not just that they have Kedusha Shviyas, but there's a Isra Achila. Midrabon, you're not allowed to eat. And there, let's finish off this piece of Ram. Why did the Chachome forbid the uh, eating of Sfichin? Because of those who were violating the Halacha. You shouldn't go and plant grain and beans and other garden vegetables he'll do so discreetly and when it grows he'll say they just grow by itself therefore forbade us to eat any of those kind of things uh, which was listed if they grew on Shmita. so the potatoes 
Well, it's, as I'm saying, in addition to the issue of, well, so the din of Kedusha Shvi'is, which is one can handle and one, one can eat it and just not, just not, uh, just be careful with the peels, etc. Kedusha Shvi'is is something which one can deal with. But, but Svi'chnis um, is something which you cannot use. I'm not saying that you can go and buy Shmita produce, as in oranges or avocados, from the supermarkets. You shouldn't be doing that. That's because of not to, there's an issue to trade and by us, by patronizing, so we are supporting the people who are, the, the, the people who are not keeping Shmita. But the actual fruit, if someone did buy avocados from Ezzeshan, they are, they are Kedusha Shviz, so then you'd uh, be allowed to eat them. By contrast here, the case of the potatoes, there's the Isad Rabbon to have those potatoes. Uh, the potatoes were in a cholent, as I mentioned before. The cholent also had a chunk of meat. And uh, unfortunately, I would say that you would not be able, able to eat the meat either because it's got Isad Rabbon mixed in with it. And the Chode, even I would say, you'd have to cash the pot. Okay, let's go on to the next question. Let's go. So here I had a conversation early in the week with someone who's going on holiday somewhere in uh, somewhere in England. I don't know exactly where. But it's, this is the taken from I guess from Google Maps or something. And if you want to look at the map, there's at the top here. Where I think there's number one. That's where he is, is uh, his holiday home is. Number two is where he is, uh, where there is a minion. Uh, and he, during his holiday time there, he would love to join the minion for Shabbos. The problem is of Tchum. And that is, you're not allowed to walk 2,000 Amis beyond your dwelling. And now in, in a city, it's not a problem because you can walk the whole town. But here it's in very much in, in uh, countryside. And so there's no houses. So he's only got a limit of 2,000 armors. And the, there's, the, uh, there's no direct, you can't walk through directly from the, the, as a crow flies because there's a field in the way. Um, so there is a road which is pointing this, this um, line made of little balls. That's the road. Now, some time ago, I had written an article and published it in the Tribune about walking from Boreham Wood to Edgware. And in that article, I had discussed the concept of alachsoin, that when you have a, uh, uh, you're allowed to walk 2,000 amas, that means 2,000 amas square. You can walk east 2,000 armors, and you can walk south 2,000 armors. You can also walk the diagonal of that square, which means another 40%, another two is actually 2,800 armors. Now, this concept of Alachsen comes up in two forms. One is when you're measuring the limits of a city for the Eru, and so that the, the the city is, is first measured and then squared, and you can walk beyond the city to the corners of the square. But then we have the individual 
who is somewhere in the sticks and now he wants to walk 2000 amas so actually he can walk 2800 amas because he's saying listen i'm allowed to walk the diagonal of my square so he was looking whether that would solve his problem he should be able to walk from his holiday home to the minion by virtue of the concept of the alachs. So he started measuring and he wanted to know, he's not a Lubavitcher, he, he, he wanted to know where I got this concept from, that you can choose your own alachs. And, and I spent a lot of time with this uh, person and looking, he sent me the map. And the problem is, even with the extra 800 amas with the alachsen the problem is that he would have to go down as you can see go this the road is kind of too far out if it be a straight road it would have been possible to work with the alachsen possibly but uh, the fact is that he couldn't go in a straight line so actually though he spent a lot of time to his credit and he worked found out that there is a farm somewhere in between where his holiday home is and the uh and the, the minion and he's planning to i guess he's in, spoken to them to the farm uh owners the farmer and he's going to put his box of matzah uh there at the farm and that will that 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 farm is within two thousand amas from where he is and then from the farm to the minion it's more than 2000 amas but there he can use the benefit of the alachsen so in, the point of the idea aid of Truman is that where your box of matzahs is that's your residence from there you are allowed 2000 in every direction plus you can once you've got every direction then you can choose to uh, then you can take another uh, the diagonal of that of the, that square so looking at the map here 2000 to the west 2000 to the south now from from his house to the from, sorry from the farmhouse to the shul is more than the uh as in 2000 armors but by the benefit of alachsen he's able to get there if you look at the figures he's he's put here that they, he's measuring 960 being 2000 amas and then the diagonal here is 1050 then it's over 2000 amas but because of the benefit of alachsen then that that becomes legitimate so uh, it's a complicated thing and i spent a lot of time on it but uh, it's, it's valuable to know um, what's very helpful is when the customers are more educated then you can get better solutions okay um now I'm looking here that someone on the previous point talking about Shemitah, whilst it says like the comment reads the following, whilst no gzeir was made on fruit, probably others just more difficult to hide. Nowadays, surely fruit from Israel has the same status as Svichim. No, sorry, not at all. The difference is that vegetables need to be replanted every year. They don't grow by themselves, hardly. And therefore, the Chachomim made the Israel Sfichim because of the surreptitious replanting and claiming it grew by itself. Fruit of a tree grows year in, year out. 
perhaps the quality may be slightly different because of pesticides, etc. But it grows year in, year out. You don't need to do malacha to have fruit growing year in, year out. So therefore, there's no need to uh, apply the isur of svichin uh, to Riha aids. Let's move on. So that's about the Tchum Shabbos. And here is uh, just one of the Achroinim who says this uh, point. And this is an interesting point that whereas measuring the square for a city, so normally we'd, we would opt to use Ribua Shal Oilom, that the north um, would be the north of the world and the east, would, and therefore the Alachsen would be a diagonal, it would be like northeast or southeast, etc. Um, by, by contrast, for a Yochid to choose which way he can actually choose which way he wants his Alachsen to be. And so he can choose his Alachsen. Uh, if you let's go, so let's come back. If he wanted to use his Alachsen from this, from the uh, farmhouse, and to be able to go to where I'm pointing now beyond that square, that would be legitimate. But then, if, once he chooses his Alachsen in one direction, he, he loses the flexibility to go uh, in other parts. He, once you've, you've chosen the, the, the uh, extra 40% in that direction, so you've limited yourself in other parts of um, you know, your, your freedom of movement. And that's, we were looking at um, putting the aid of on the side, road, of the, on the side of the road somewhere halfway, and that didn't help because of uh, not being able to um, stretch the alachsen um, in all different directions. You can only choose one direction of your alachsen. That's the point which is being said over here. Let's move on. Okay, um, some people have asked if someone does need to make havdalah uh, during Tisha B'Av, does he make the brach on basomim? And the answer is no. You don't make the brach on basomim, just like the rest of us are not going to indulge in basomim because it's uh, of the, of the it's an indulgence. So too, those who do have to make havdalah should not be making havdalah on, uh, should not be making on the Basamin. Now, about the Psukim of Hinekel Shuasi, this is interesting. Now, in the Velt Minhig is that the Psukim of Hinekel Shuasi are not said on a Motza Yomtiv. In Chabad, we do say those Psukim. The, uh, the Rebbe would make Havdola at the end of the Fabrengen on Motza Yomtiv. And he would say, hey, Nekel Shuasi. So that's no question that we, we say, Nekel Shuasi. And these are brochas as we're going out from the Shabbos and also Yom Tov going out of the week. So we're taking, saying there was a psukim of bracha. The question is about saying the bracha, the Nekel Shuasi on Tishabov. Or so then, Motsi Tishabov, yes, because again, you're going out into the week. So you, you say the psukim abrochas, but if a person making havdol on tishabov, then now the tishabov real says not to say those psukim. Uh, I would I would say that possibly that should apply even according to minchah chabad because um, it's not it's not a uh, it's not like a motzi yomtiv. You're going it, it is a time of uh, where things are suppressed uh, and therefore perhaps the psukim shouldn't be said. Right. Um, someone asked. Is what should we use a wine or dafka chamar medino? So, although we don't drink wine during the nine days, but 
whereas if you need to for Havdallah, we would make Havdallah on wine during the nine days. Um, some poskim say Dafka to use Hamar Medino for Havdallah if a person has to make Havdallah on, on Tishabov. Others say you can use wine. So generally, uh, we have a rule that the Sofak Drabonon is the Kula. Um, someone's saying he was instructed to use grape juice. Fine. Um, Suffolk Drabon and Lakula, and therefore, if you want to use wine, you could. If you wanted to Dafka to use Hamar um, Medino, well, make sure it's a, it's a, you know, it's qualified as Hamar Medino. Um, I saw somewhere about some mucus using milk, and I, I really don't understand um, about how, how milk can qualify as Hamar Medino. Um, it's a kind of the Hamar Medino means the the kind of uh, drink which you'd invite someone over for a drink. So it's a bit of has a bit of hashivas. Let's move on. So a bit of a confusion here. There's a minhag in a base of Rahman al-Islam that after Shachris and after Mincha or after Mairiv, depending on Ashkenaz or etc., um, to say a capital tilim, to say capital memtes. So now, where does this minyan come from? Before, before where the minyan come from, the question which came my way was, when it's a day when Tachanun is not said, particularly it was relevant to a Friday afternoon by Mincha. So some have a minyan of, instead of saying capital memtes, to say capital tezai. And so what is the... Chabad Minhig on that. So now let's trace the Minhig of saying capital Memtes. So what you have on the right of the of the screen is from the what's called Be'er Hagoyla from Ramosha Rivkus, and it's on the margin of the Shukhanoruch, I think it's Simon Yerdeh Shin Sadik Vav, I think it is. Now, so she's on Gimel. And he writes the Minigasfardim. The Minigasfardim is to say a hashkaba, which was like Kilmo de Rachamim, and they would say before Mairiv, and in the morning they would say capital Memtes and Tzidok Hadin. And that would be sort of every after every filler, and that's a, an ancient minig, the minig Atikin Uvosikin. Where did it come? So this is this is the minig Asfardi, as Ramosha Rifkis writes. Where does the capital Tezayin as an alternative come in? So I, I corresponded about this with Rabbi Lady Garelik, who's put out a, a madrich on Hilchas and he does have some notes about this. Now, and he shared with me a letter which he received from someone called Rabbi Yaakov Chaviv, who lives in Israel, and his big Talmud Chochem has written a sefer on these inyonim of Avelas. Um, and what he, he, he traces the history that, that Ramosha Rivkis lived in Vilna, but in the year um, Tov Tesvov, there was a, uh, the Jewish community were, 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 were uh, exiled, were driven out of Vilna. At that time, he found, he found his way to Rotterdam in Holland, and he spent some time with the Chochem Rabbi Yoshiyal Paradu. And it looks like it was then that he picked up 
the Minakas Fardim. And that's what he's writing here, Varisi Poi. He's living in Vilna. Where's this Fardim in Vilna? It's, this he wrote whilst he was living in Rotterdam, the Minigas Fardim to say Capital Memtes. Now, the, you see here Capital Memtes and Siddiqa Dina put together. Apparently, there's a difference between Sfardim and Ashkenazim about saying Tzidika Din on a day when Tachnun isn't said, whether Sfardim would say Tzidika Din regardless, and therefore they did not have any difference between yes, Tachnun, no Tachnun, it would always be capital memtes and always have Tzidika Din. Ashkenazim don't say Tzidika Din on a day when Tachnun is not said. It looks like because of this, oh, no Tzidika Din, then shouldn't take capital memtes. And so the earliest record we have of, of substituting capital tezayin capital for capital memtes seems to be about 80 years ago or something in the earliest record. I don't think it's the earliest it happened. And that is in the safe of the classic, um, kind of most modern, uh, classic, well, uh, but just before modern, uh, is the safe of Yesha Chaim for Raptor Kaczynski. So he mentions this minik, I say minik, in, in Shalim, etc. Okay, so we have here a minig of St. Capital Memtes. It is also in the Torah Orsida, published by David Lavut. So that was published more than 120 years ago. So at the back, he adds Capital Memtes, which is said in the base of all the He does not differentiate whether it's said um, on the day of Tachnun or not. Now, on the left of the screen, I put here a note which I I included in the Sefer Nesivim Mestayashlichus Chelik Beis, so that there we have that some have the minig to substitute Tazayin, and then, however, there's a couple of sources, Chabad sources. Number one is during the uh, when the Friedrich Rebbe was was in Avelus, I think it's Tafshin Beis or Tafshin Gimel. So then the Rebbe makes a note that they said Capital Memtes also in the morning and in the, uh, at Mincha, also on Friday, but not on Shabbos. In Tovshi Mimches, it noted here that they did not say Memtes on Friday afternoon. And then it's also noted elsewhere that in Tovshi Yud Beis, when the Rebbe was sitting Shiva for his brother, um, so again, they didn't say capital Memtes. And the way it looks like is uh, this idea of substituting Tezayin for Memtes, did not find its way into Minik Chabad. So it's either Memtes, Tachnun or no Tachnun, but then we're seeing that on Friday afternoon, it isn't said at all. Although in the Tovshin, in the Rishimus Hayoyman from Tovshin Gimel, it was said, but then we're seeing that the Rebbe, by the Rebbe it wasn't said. And so, okay, that seems to be the uh, bottom line, as on the Shvissen, not to say it at all. Um, now, Rabbi Garelik has uh, some kind of theory why there should be a difference, why other days when Tachnun isn't said to say um, Memtes, and why Friday afternoon should be different, but okay, let's move on. So here I got an, a question also last Friday. A Yiddish boy is going off with some of his mates off to uh, Holland for a holiday, and they are in, staying in Amsterdam in some hostel, and he wants to go to shul on Shabbos morning. Beautiful. Happens to be there's a river between him and the shul, the kind of closest shul, there's a river. And there's no bridge, but there is a ferry, which is laid on free for, for uh, you know, tourists, etc. 
doesn't cost anything. You just come along, go on the boat, and then go across the, the river. And he's asking the question, am I allowed to go to shul uh, with this ferry? Now, my first question in return was, who are these other lads who are going with him? Are they Yiddish boys? Are they Shemir Shabbos? And even if they were Jewish, apparently they were not Shemir Shabbos. So my tendency was here, let's get this Jewish boy away from those boys as much time as possible on Shabbos at least. So he'll do much less Chil Shabbos by being away from them than being with them. So that was my motive here. But so there's two issues here. One is about motorized vehicles, etc. I don't know how the, the ferry works. Are you allowed to go onto a tram or etc.? But what really caught my attention is about not going onto a boat altogether on Shabbos. And here we have from Simulation. Now, this halacha is discussed in Reish Memches and in Shin Lamates, two places um, about going onto a boat on Shabbos. Now, this is an extension of the issue of swimming on Shabbos. But you're not allowed to swim on Shabbos in case you may come to make a float. So, by extension, you're not allowed to go on a boat on Shabbos. So, let's take a look here. We have a story in the Gemara in Shabbos Daf Kuf Lamates about a, one of the Chachamim, he went on Shabbos afternoon, he went to the local river and there was a ferry there and he sat down in the ferry and um, he fell asleep. And then an hour later he wakes up and he's on the other side of the river and he got out of the boat and then he checked out his, uh, his orchard and they asked him, what's this going on the boat? He says, I was just, I was just dozing off, I was just you know, sunbathing, whatever. And they told him, no, that's too obvious. It's obviously that you were using the boat. So we see here that there is an issue of going onto a boat on Shabbos. And when a person, let's say, is on a cruise, etc., and they're traveling uh, long distance and the ship is leaving port on Shabbos. So the solution there is you go onto the boat out of Shabbos and you, you stay there for the onset of Shabbos. And then you can go back for the night and then you go back in the morning, you go onto the boat and then the boat goes on its merry way and you join them. Um, now, so it looks like you shouldn't be going onto a boat on Shabbos. And so some possibly want to say that the reason the need for the Koinesh Visa is because the ship is going beyond the Tchum. But the way the Alter Rebbe presents it over here is even if the boat is only traveling within the Tchum, you wouldn't be allowed to go on the boat on Shabbos. And um, un unless you were there before Shabbos, which is not the case over here. So this was, this was my problem. It was Arab Shabbos and I was a little under pressure. And I said that there are poskim who permit it. And so here you have in the Sharit Shuvah, both in Simeresh Mimches, and in Simashin Lamites, he brings Poskim who allow you to use a ferry to go to join up the minion. And it was quite a common thing in smaller places where they couldn't get a minion together without people from the various villages and sometimes needed a boat. And those places, some of them would actually be Koinishvisa before Shabbos, and then they would come on Shabbos across with the boat. Um, but then they are, you can see here highlighted that the Shovyakoy, who was a little bit before the Alter Rebbe, he writes that you can, you can uh, 
that even even without Kina Shvisa, the Kina Shvisa is only for a trum. But um, as far as going to a boat and crossing with a fair ferry, um, if this if it's uh, operated by Goyim, that would be okay. And what his either Gemara says you wouldn't be allowed to go onto a, a boat. So he says that if it's for the Torah Mitzvah, you would be allowed to. So here we have a heter. I don't know whether the Altareb would agree to the heter of Tzorich Mitzvah, but we do have a eminent poskim who allowed the Tzorich Mitzvah to go onto a ferry. And so, as I said, I had here a motive to get this boy away from his non, uh, well, not necessarily inspiring for Yerushalayim Chaverim, uh, and to have him go to Shul. Now, let's just go to the next before these people come away and say oh i, I mean the, the, the halacha was that you're allowed to go onto a ferry on shabbos well i just want to share share you with you from biscuit shuvas about generally using public transport and it's far-fetched that another person is going to make the, the transport work that hard, that much harder it's mainly in a car you take another passenger, so it's, so it's diverting the energy instead of moving faster, it's, it's slowing down, and then the driver will press on the, on the, on the accelerator to go a bit faster. Um, but with, with an electric, with a tram or the, an elevator, these things, you're not going to draw any more energy by having another person on. And yet, that's Mishum Zilzal Bekdushas Shabbos. It is degrading for Shabbos to use any of these things. And therefore, the consensus is not to use public transport, even for Tvilad Sibur. And he says, for people who are not from yet, and they are beginning to become from, so then if they're using public transport, okay, uh, one should be more tolerant. And just uh, there's an issue of carrying the, the tickets, etc. I remember back in the, in the 80s that um, in, in Russia, so in Moscow, there were many Balichuva, and there's no, there was no concept of a Jewish area. People were just plonked wherever the, uh, the authorities decided to put them. And so some people had to walk, were walking two hours or more um, from wherever they were to, to show. And here there was a difference between Chabad and the uh, Litvisha Balichuva that the Litvisha did allow them, at least on Yom Tov, to use the, the public transport, whereas in the Chabad Balachuvas, we're, we're walking those long distances, even on Yom Tov, not to use the public transport. So there is a, no, there's no uh, free ride to use the, um, to use the public transport on, on, on the Shabbos or Yom Tov. As I say, in this circumstance, there was a special uh, reason to be more lenient. What I mean while I saw another interesting thing that in this piece, he says it also talks about using lifts, which in America they call elevators uh, or escalators, not to use them on Shabbos. And even, you know, even those, those ones which are made for Shabbos, they're made for people who are uh, frail, etc. But for, um, for people who show, again, because of Zilzal Shabbos, to avoid using the elevators. Yes, we know that elevators sometimes. Where they go right now, just some, someone made a comment about using milk for a half dollar. There's the Rebbe has, has actually a comment in, in Igor's Kodesh that uh, not to rely on that. Okay, let's move on. 
Okay, so this week someone consulted me. There's a um, a couple. He's he wasn't Jewish, and she is Jewish, and he's just gone through gear and they're planning a wedding. And so now the question is, do you have a whole week of Shavu Baruchas, or is it just the one day? So let's let's just scroll to the next slide. No, that's not here, not here. Okay, oh, sorry, to the left of the screen. So the halacha, as it is in Evan Ezra, Samach base, at Kamam and Vochim Brochas, they're talking about the Shevach Brochas, etc. If it's a, a widower who is marrying a widow, in other words, a second marriage for both of them, so the Brochas is only said on the first day. If he is a Bocha, although she is an Almona, so he is, for him, it's the first wedding, for her, it's not. Or if he, for him, he's an almond, he's a widower, but she is a basula. She, so then one would have Shiva Shemyamishta, one would have a, a full week of celebration. So in this case, they've been married before in a civil marriage. The details don't bother me. And so she is definitely not a basula. Now, the fact that he was married in a colloquial sense, but not in a halacha sense, does that make, make him a bocher, or, or do you say, do you say because he's a gayer and therefore he's like a bocher, or not? So this, I, they, 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 someone had told them that they have seven days sheva brachas, and I was, I disagreed, and here I have a source from as a sefer, contemporary sefer, Kitzur Nachlas Shiva, and he quotes in, a, in he writes a goy and a goya, and a non-Jewish couple who were megayer, it's only one day sheva brachas. And then you might have argued that perhaps because he's ne he never had a Jewish wedding, therefore he's called a bocher. But he quotes here from the Shevet Halevi, from Rav that no, it's maximum it's just the one day, because he has been living a married life. And therefore uh, it's it's uh, only, only the one day. Rabbi Lou is making a comment here. I'm just going to read it. In USSR, I believe the non-Lubavitch allowed men to go to the metro on Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot for the mitzvahs, which are minat Torah. The Baviches stayed in Malachim okay, if they could, and um, if they couldn't, they would walk. Okay, thank you for for that uh, piece of history, which is it's not Baruch Hashem, it's history. Let's move on. Right. So in this week's Rambam. And the three prokim came up here the lotion that the Ede Kedushin at a wedding do not have to be designated. You don't have to tell them Atem Edai. In other halachas, let's say if a person says, Oh, I, uh, I owe you, I, I, I confirm that I owe you 10,000 pounds, that might be just uh, joking. And therefore, for that to be binding, He'd have to say to the witnesses, Atem Edai, I'm, I'm appointing you as witnesses to my admission. Otherwise, it's just not, not taken seriously. So the Rambam is saying here that when it comes to Kiddushin, it's not necessary to designate their witnesses. You see it, they're witnesses. It doesn't have to designate them. However, uh, and that actually is brought in Shukhan Aruch and Simen Samach. Sorry, um, it's brought in Shukhan Aruch. In Simon Membase, the Dinim of Kiddush, and Samach Base is Birchas Nesuin. Right. However, 
what is the second quote on this page is from Maram Mintz, um, Maram Mintz perhaps, and he has in Simon Kuftes a long chuva going through step by step the, uh, the procedure of a wedding and um, the ksuba, etc., and many, many details of what we do today by chuppas are traced to this chuvim aram mints. So what's normally done is by the chuppah, the rov is, uh, well, the gabe will say, and the rov will take the glass of wine and he'll make the brochash, and then he will say the the long brocha, and then the chos and kalo are given a bit of wine to drink. So what he writes here, after he said the bracha, after the chos and kalo have a drink, a sip, then he takes the um, the kedushin takes the ring and shows it to the witnesses, and has the witnesses confirm that it's worth a pruta. And he says to the witnesses, they should make sure to see how the chosen puts the ring on the kala's uh, finger. And that he should, they should also hear the chosen saying, etc. The lower quote is from the Kitzah Shekhanaruch. Now, uh, recently it was brought to my attention that in the Feldman edition of the Kitzah Shekhanaruch, at the back, there's about eight pages which were added by Rav Feldman was given um, from a grandson of Rav Shleim Gransfried, who was a yurt, so it was just this week. Um, Rav Shleim, um, so Rav Shleim Gransfried's grandson gave Rav David Feldman uh, a contrast of, uh, of, of several pages, which should be added to the Kitzah Shonoruch. It's only in that print. It's not in any other edition of the Kitzah for the moment. And it's very, very useful for Rabbonim, who are Masadic edition, He's got a lot of very useful guidelines over there. And meanwhile, he says, again, the idea of saying to the Chosen Kala, these are the witnesses and none other. So just to point out the points which I'm saying, the, the Chiddush in the Maram Mint is how after the Brocha, only then does the Rav identify who the witnesses are. Normally we do that before. Um, when the Rav is called up and before he makes the Brocha, we already announced so and so are the witnesses, and then some have introduced a term. These are the ones and none other. These are the witnesses and none other. That wasn't the standard announcement in Chabad or many other Kehillas. This is, but I'm just finding it interesting how Rabdovid Feldman also says, but this is not an announcement. This is saying to the Chosen Kala, these are the witnesses and none other. Now, Um, why is it important to designate the witnesses, although the Ram says it's not necessary? Well, typically, who's under the chuppah? Chos and Kala, parents, etc. Um, there may be nearby, there may be family members, none of them are valid witnesses. And there's, I can just tell you, uh, standing under the chuppah many times, the photographers, the, the, here's the Masadic edition, move here, move there, you're blocking my camera. It's, it's not so easy for the observers to see the chosen putting the ring on the kala's uh, finger. Unless you tell them, come forward and, and see what's going on, most people don't see what's going on. And so that's not good enough. You need to have people to actually see. So yeah, sure, the Rambam said you don't need to designate them. If they saw it in, in, in passing, that's, that's fine. 
but practically speaking, you do need, do need to call them over so that there should be a type of two kosher witnesses to see it. Okay, so it's not a machlokus with the Rambam, it's just a practical consideration. Right, um, let's move on. Okay, the last Shabbos I spent uh, in God's Green and walked over to Eichel Menachem and Rabbi Gedalyev um, Lieberman was giving a shear about Binyan Bekelim, about opening containers, and uh, unable to restrain myself, whatever, I, I shared with him, I shared with the, uh, with the people at the shear a question about a fridge door which came off, a freezer actually. Now, the the fridge, uh, the freezer, the body of the freezer is made of metal, and you've got a hinge which is screwed into the top and screwed into the bottom, and then that's got a spindle, and the, the fridge, freezer door rotates on that spindle, which is supported by those screws. Happened to be, but my freezer, the bottom of the freezer had rusted to the point that the bottom hinge fell off. And there's a term in English called Murphy's Law, loosely translated in Yiddish as Aftzolochus, this happened on Shabbos. And so I've got Shabbos, the freezer door has come off, am I allowed to put that freezer door back onto it in position? Now, the freezer has got, a, the door has a gusset, this rubber, um, this rubber length all the way around the door. Inside that gusset, there is a, a, ma a magnetic strip, and that's what keeps the door closed. So really, you could just uh, physically put the door in place, the magnet would hold it in place and your food wouldn't get ruined. Um, so are you allowed to do that on Shabbos? So after Lachas again, Rabbi Lieberman says that he also had the same thing a few years ago, uh, the freezer door came off its, his hinges and he had the same question and is struggling to find an answer. So, so let's look, look at the halacha. Now we have here a, a source in Shin Yud Gimel, Shin Yud Gimel talking about lids or doors of a piece of furniture. So there's a the Mishnah talks about the lid of a box which has been come detached from the box from the chest. <clears throat> that that lid is not muksa. So Sifyud Zayin, the Rebbe continues. That's all if it's from a portable from a portable piece of furniture. But if it's the door of a uh, of something which is attached to the ground, whether it's a, a pit or something, uh, a cupboard which is built in, he talks about it here, a, a chicken coop. So then you would not be allowed to take off the door, put it back. And because it's because the door is attached to a building which is attached to the ground, therefore, there is an issue of building and demolishing by taking away and putting back this door the other way around. And therefore, he, he laments the fact that by big celebrations in summer, people sometimes lift off the windows off the hinges. With a goy doing so, that's also not allowed. Because since removal of the windows is a chi of chatos, therefore, um, because it's so salmon as live noise. It's not as if you're demolishing for no purpose. You instead tend to put it back. Therefore, you wouldn't be allowed to even tell a goy to remove the windows from the door from the window for the wind, you know, the window uh, 
pain, whatever, it wouldn't matter from, from the, you know, the hole in the wall called the window. In the footnote, they have a reference there to simulation and tests, where here the Alter Rebbe seems to say a little different, where the Alter Rebbe says that putting back a door, I mean, a Torah ain't isur, putting back a door is not an isur in a Torah. If you put bricks, is a, a missim Torah. But a door, putting that's that uh, it's not mamish the building, and therefore putting back a door is not awesome in a Torah, it's called Rabbonon. Possibly there's a difference between a window and a door, and that uh, putting back a, 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 a door being perhaps more portable, and therefore it's less an indigenous part of the building, and therefore removal of a door, putting it back is the Rabbonon, a window being more part of the wall, and therefore is a Isumina Torah, because otherwise you have a contradiction. Here it says Rakiv Chatos, and here he says it's Isid Rabbonon. Okay, so we have here removal of a door or putting back a door uh, to a building. So it might be a seminatoira, it might be a sedrabon. Now what now we're talking about, we're not talking about a building, we're talking about a, a freezer, a freestanding freezer. If it's a built-in freezer, then, then it's it's Kalim Mamukubar and Akarika. But in Sifyur Ches, the Alter Rebbe says that if it's a large Kali, that it's has got a capacity of 40 so, which is an armor by an armor by three armors, it's then it's considered like karika. Now, a typical fridge, five foot high, it's your shoulder height, it measures 60 by 60. So then it's got a shear of 40 so, which is armor by armor by three armors. Now, before you start arguing, what about is the internal capacity? What it is that 40 so? But here he says, imhad fanus, that the walls, the thickness of the walls also contribute. So we're talking about the external dimensions, not the internal capacity of the fridge or freezer. So a, a large, a medium to large fridge or freezer does have a shear of 40 so, and therefore the door is considered a door of a building. And that makes it really, really a problem. So to put back the door onto the fridge or freezer would be a question of a chiyavchatos. Now, according to, all right, then according to what he says over there in, in, in Simon Reish Nuntes, it still remains, he says, Rabbono, to put back a door. I'm saying this, that, you know, you've got, you've got these doors on spindles, which you could lift off. Well, you're not allowed to lift them off on Shabbos or put them back on if it's part of a building. Um, that, that comes into an Isra of, of Boine. So now we're struggling now. What, what's the story with the freeze? One, one redeeming factor, I would like to say, is the following, that to fix a freezer is you need a screwdriver and some, perhaps some other tools. To use the gusset and the, the, the magnet to fix the freezer, that's not the normal way of fixing the freezer. It would be considered boine kilachayat. And here we have in Simon Shienzayan, uh, in Seif Yud Base. So let's read here. This is all we're talking about asking a goy to do something, um, a malocha for you, if he does it in the normal way. If the goy does it in an odd, in a not normal way, even if it is a shvuz gomor, 
מותר לעשות יסוי אפילו על ידי ישראל במוקים צער. That to do an even Easter day raisa, the mokim tsar, you're allowed to, Eid is allowed to do this. Now, this, I've said this many times. For example, um, to, if a mokim tsar or a patient in a hospital to, um, to par, walk past the sensor, which is going to open the door, etc. So, if you do it kilachayad, that would be acceptable. So, let's say um, if there is a sensor, you need to get into the ward or get out of the ward, whatever. To walk backwards, so you're activating the sense. I know that you do it kalachayad in in a noap in a shloikaderach achoyl. That is permitted bimkoyim tsar. Yesh oyimrim shahu hadin bimkoyim hefsed. Some say that that's also permitted in the case of a loss. Yesh lismech al divrayim bimokim hefsed gadol. Where there's a significant loss, you can rely on that. And the reference to Shin Amadvov is talking about. Um, about a gutter which has become blocked with with leaves so how do you normally clear gutter well you use a plunger or something and here some gomorrah shubas about pushing standing in the gutter with your foot and somehow pushing the leaves and 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 and, and releasing that the gutter should have the water be able to go through so that's so that otherwise the gutter is going to overflow it's going to cause damage so here we have bimokim hefsed hefsed godl at least so then we are permitted to do even a melacha deiraisekalachayad. Certainly, I, I suspect that this din of more than 40 so'ah being considered a building, it's not so clear. And I would think even the machmirim, it's a din derabonon. And therefore, if it's a hefzad god, now this you have to um, assess. This you have to assess. You've got now the freezer is now open. Uh, is there a hefzad god by leaving it open? First of all, what are the contents? Are the contents um, perishable? If they're going to um, be defrost, it's going to be hefsed gadol. What I don't know, besides about besides the um, besides the contents, if you leave a freezer motor running and it's going to be left open, it might actually ruin the freezer, which for most of us would count as a hefsed gadol. Although you might be. Uh, welcoming the fact that it's got on its, uh, got its many way. If it's really rusted at the bottom, maybe time for replacement. But um, if, if, if it's the, really the bottom line here is, if to put back that, that door in its place with the magnets, if that is to protect you from a Hefzad Godel, then I think we have a Heter over here. Um, as I said from here, from Simashi inside. Let's move on to our next point. Um, right. So last, um, no, I'm just jumping ahead. Two points here, someone, point nine is on my list. Oh, before we go into point nine, someone asked me about fridge magnets. Very interesting. Whilst I was doing research about this um, fridge door, I saw in, this is one of the contemporary, very good forum of Shabbos, is Orchus Shabbos, three volumes. And there he mentioned about a, um, a suction hook. Many people have got suction hooks for towels, etc. So he writes, if, a, if your hook is attached to a fridge, side of the fridge with a suction, that's called, no difference than if it was screwed in, it's called, called a binyan. So to put it back, to re-suction it, if that's the right word, that wouldn't be allowed on Shabbos under the Isra of Boina. And, and then also the hook which fell off is muksa to the end of Shabbos. Okay, let's go on to the next thing about, someone asked about what's the story about uh, Tishabov 
in the Kabir says just this year, um, and Tisha B'Av is actually on Shabbos, and delay the fast is 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 deferred to Sunday. What when do the restrictions on learning begin? Do they start on Friday afternoon, because it's Ches Ches of already then, or is it on Shabbos morning, Shabbos afternoon, etc.? So there are different opinions, and certainly the majority of the poskim have no problem on the Friday afternoon. It's it's erev erev, so to speak. Tishabov the Meiser on Tishabov on sorry on Shabbos Tishabov itself. So the Luach Koyel Chabad writes that said on Shabbos one should keep to learning Devarim Hamatari. So really, that's not such a big issue because we're noyig to learn chassidus. Um, we're not. We, we, we're noyig to learn even when uh, one shouldn't be learning devarim hamasamachim. The reason of this is it says to learn sipri musar is allowed, and because it's um, it's kind of chastising the person, and therefore one would be allowed to learn chassidus also. In uh, in the luach meirashia for Rambam, the Rebbe addresses. In such a kvias, he says, "What? To, when do you learn your Shia Rambam?" So the Rebbe says, "You should ask Karov." So this is once in every several years. There's a, there's a hero to ask Karov a shaila. So, all right. So the the Rebbe didn't want to pass himself, but lechayre, since it's something which you do on a daily basis, the Shia, the Shia Rambam has become a daily basis. So the, yes, there's, if there is a basis to be matir, a limud which is done on a daily basis should be allowed even in a time of, of grieving uh, and therefore that would be mutter. Um, the chashash of pikudi Hashem Yashorim Sam that you'll be get very excited because you found something new in the Rambam probably for most of us is not such a, a uh, likely scenario and therefore we can learn a Shia Rambam um, on, on, on Shabbos. Shabbos, even on Shabbos afternoon, if you didn't manage in the morning, you could still do Shir Amba. And same thing with Kitas, if you didn't manage in the morning, you'll do it in the afternoon. Um, you, won't, you won't because you're half the Simcha, but fine. Then last week we'd been speaking about whether a woman should say the Bracha So one of my li our listeners, someone whose name is Rebleval Wexler, probably listens to the recording, he writes to me that he heard from Rabbi Chaikins, Ozangizund. That he heard from Reb Zalman Taibel all of a shalom. Reb Zalman Taibel had been present at Havdola in the house of the Friedrich Rebbe, and Reb Zalman Taibel said that after the Rebbe made Havdola the bracha hagofen on the wine, so there whoever it was, perhaps someone else was making Havdola, but then um, the Rebbe took the box of the besomim and made a bracha and and smelt it. Then he gave the box to his mother to smell the besomim. And then the Rebbe made the bracha on the flame, but his mother did not make the bracha on the flame. And that, 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 that I don't have any, any problem with that because, yes, throughout the year, regularly, when men are making the bracha, it's not the minute for women to put out their hands and certainly not to make the bracha separately. With the went by listening. Our scenario is talking about when a woman makes Havdol uh, on her own, and there's no man, no man present, then she would be making the Bayer Meir and she would put out her hands 
to 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 uh, you know, to see her nails as the meaning is for the bracha by uh, Finally, um, so I last week spoken about use of a goyro, and we had, I read this piece of Shukhanoruch where it said, "Ein shoyalim bechoyzim bekechovim." You mustn't consult astrologers for advice. You shouldn't be consulting, um, casting lots. Now, I took the liberty of understanding this, of, let's say, to flip a coin and to say whether I'm going to on holidays to Brighton or to Bournemouth, to make a decision by casting a lot. So one of our listeners, again, is on the recording. He says a very interesting story that Rabbi Weinberg Olavashalem once spoke about, he was, he was one of the Babich's uh, most successful fundraisers. And he once told over one of his tricks of the trade, possibly even the name of the Rebbe. And that is, how, do you, how much do you ask? When it comes to the ask, how much do you ask? So he says, I have, I have in my pocket three pieces of paper. I'm, I'm guessing you know, the, uh, in the spectrum. How, how much is the least I should ask, the most I should ask, etc. And I put these three pieces of paper in my pocket. And then I take out a paper. And whatever it says on the paper, that's how much, how much I can ask. So he, he was making basically a decision on, based upon a guy. So, yeah, very interesting. Um, it's just my luck that they are on the, uh, on the, uh, when they put the, they, they take, choose one juicy question. They put this as the as the uh, advertising line for the year. They say, can you flip a coin and make a decision? Um, I'm afraid I'm going to have to retract on that one. And here, having you know, to revisit this, and here we have a tshuva from Reb Shloyme Kluger. Now, I heard from, from my wife's uncle, Reb Mulazimov, the shame... He had heard in the name of Reb David Haradokir, that about the Shlomo Kluger being one of the very reliable Paskim. Shlomo Kluger is sometimes quite uh, you know, radical and is interesting, uh, innovative. And the Rebbe Rashab said, he's, So I call upon him here, he has the following. We'll give it a couple of minutes. I know we're running a bit late, but sometimes we finish early, so we'll finish another. A minute later. So here, uh, to explain, how do you make a goyrol to choose who's going to have the Kaddish? We discussed this last week. And the Shach brings from the Toysfus, which is that you can't consult goyrolis. So he says what it means asking a goyrol means to like to divine the future. Like people ask an astrologer, what's going to happen? So also to use a goyrol to define to find out is this person going to survive? Will I recover this lost item? So that is where you wouldn't be allowed to consult a goyro to divine the future. And instead, you should rely on Hashem But in order to toss up, to decide one way or the other, she says that's definitely okay. And that doesn't have nothing to do with Tom Tia. And he brings a proof. From the fact that they would make the goyrolis in the base Hamigdosh, who does which role, and um, we have in the Mishnah in Shabbos talking about casting lots, which child is going to get which piece of the of the uh, of meat, etc. 
Um, so you shouldn't be doing that on the casting lot in Yom Tov. You shouldn't be make a raffle on Yom Tov or Shabbos because of a Kenyan. But otherwise, you're allowed to make a cast lot. Who gets what? And then you have in this week, last week said, the Ebishter wouldn't tell us to do a, a, a goiro, which if we wasn't okay. Um, therefore, he says it's not a, not, making a goiro not a problem. Now, last week, I differentiated between a goiro to, to, to sort out between two people and a goiro to, to decide your own course of action. Obviously, Rav Shlomo Kruger disagrees with that, and he understands that they both, they both fall into the same category. It's using a goiro to make a say. What he's basically saying is, you need to make a, a decision now what to do. A, you'll be go this road, that road. For that, you can use a goiro. If you want to use a goiro, not for a course of action, but to kind of to find out information for the future, using the goiro as a form of as um, foretelling, that he says that's not, that would not be okay. So, uh, all right. So now, can you flip a coin according to him and, and make a decision? Is it Brighton or Bournemouth? Um, according to Flynn Kluger, you are allowed to. And yes, uh, I'll I wish you all a, a good evening and a good evening. Yes. Dov Geffen speaking. Um, the potato thing, I understand, but it's not Shreif. Why Kasha the pot? Because it's Isidra Bonon. Like if it's, uh, if it were, let's say, uh, if it were Cholavakum. So you'd have yes. to Kasha it. So it's, it's yeah, cholavakum is cholavakum, but the potato is just a potato. You can't use it because it's, it's shmet no, it's, or whatever. Right. Once, once it's got isur abonon, it's deep. It's, it's then it's uh, it's also to it becomes also. It's like a, as I think um, I, I might be wrong, but that's what I, my understanding is. Um, perhaps next week we'll revisit it. Okay, good kaltov. Past well. Shabbos. 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 Shabbos.